You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Oh, oh, but listeners, it's not just Heather and Jeff. For the first time ever, we've got Renegade Rules guests. Uh, I'm on the phone with Heather Shoemaker. How you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. And in studio... In studio, we've got Lisa Murphy. Hello. And my lovely wife, Tasha Johnson. Aloha. Because we've been uh, recording Child Care Bar and Grill episodes, and uh, we decided to knock out a Renegade Rules episode since Heather's joining us on the Bar and Grill because it's kind of a kind of a back-and-forth thing. So uh, it's back-to-school time. Speaking of back-and-forth, it's a, a lot of parents driving back-and-forth to school, and there's a long car lines at the school, and there's new schedules, and there's homework and all that kind of stuff going on. So, so uh, it was discussed that maybe... Maybe we could pull a topic out of all of that stuff someplace where you all want to get started. Um, I would like to start with what Heather kind of led with before we push the record button. Let's go back to the overscheduling. Yes, that sounds great. All right. Well, hop into it. Somebody, what? Well, what have you been noticing? Well, yeah, this is, I have two kids just started back elementary school, and so everybody's feeling scheduled. You've got to get out the door in the morning and everything. But what I'm noticing is the time after school suddenly becomes so precious. And yet, as families, we're all, you know, people were comparing at the bus stop what activities, the taekwondo and the music lessons and, and the, the sports practice and everything, and it all just starts back up again. And you can see the kids reeling a little bit. There's excitement, but there's also a, whoa. So I think, and here's an example. Um, I started coaching soccer this season. You did. I, I played as a kid from age seven. You should have seen me as a seven-year-old. I wanted to play because my older brother was playing, and I stood there with no glasses on. I couldn't see the ball, and if it came near me, I screamed. <laughs> and now you're but so I loved it. So I wasn't exactly the star player, but I loved it. And over the years, I got um, a ton better, and I started to be able to wear glasses and contacts so I could see the ball. Anyway, I started to decide to give back, and I'm coaching um, a team this year, and my kids are both playing. And what I noticed is I signed up to coach, and we thought we're going to get one game, one hour every Saturday for a while, and then it stops. I thought, okay, that's a commitment we can do. It won't take up the whole Saturday and then all of a sudden they added in double games for most weeks. So they're called double headers. Where now, and I'm coaching seven and eight-year-olds. So now these, they're really young still. And, and they just want to play. And they should be playing. And it's fine that they're doing some soccer around that age. I think it's a fine time to start. But now they have to play two games in a row. And sometimes the games, there's an hour and a half wait in between. So then the family's hanging out at the field for four hours, and then maybe a sibling has two games, and so then you're there most of the Saturday all of a sudden. And that's stealing time from kids. So it's not just if you're doing an activity, but it's how you're doing it. And when I brought it up to the director, he said, 
Well, the parents have been pushing that they want to get more value out of their money, so they want more games for the kids. I'm thinking, yeah, but that's not what this is about. (laughs) (laughs) More value for the money. Make them play more, more, more. Did you say, don't you know who I am? (laughs) (laughs) I said, I will get Lisa Murphy to call you. (laughs) So I'm actually curious, as a guest, I'm going to throw this out there. Talk to me a little bit about potentially now participating in something that kind of goes against what you bring to the table. So say not doing the second game, that kind of thing? Yeah, I'm just curious, like, you know, what, you, what the bill of goods you were sold is not now what's being delivered. You know, are, are you, talk to me about your process of either doing this or deciding oh, not yeah. to. Yeah, how, how do you, what do you do as a family when you're confronted with something like this? I think um, my go-to response is always to just try to be direct and honest with the person. So I, I called and said I was surprised by this. And we had a good conversation. And by the end of it, the director was saying things like, well, you know, we hadn't heard voices saying the kids were feeling overscheduled. Most Ooh. people just want the more bang for their buck, and they're, they're the vocal ones. But this makes a lot of sense. And um, so maybe next year we will um, only have one or so of these double headers and the rest of the time have just one and let the kids go home, go home and play. So I think there's fertile, I think people should take encouragement. There's, there's fertile ground. There's fertile listening ears if we just remember that we need to speak up and, and voice what's unspoken because our culture is going incredibly fast and it's, you know, it's going to keep on speeding up. So next year there might be triple headers. Right. (laughs) You know, it's just, we got to do more. And, I think it helps to do the math, to say, you know, kids are in school. Most kids go to a regular school, not a home school, so they're in school a lot of hours a day. Weekends, there's a lot of other things they need to attend to, and if they're going to do an activity, it shouldn't take up the whole day. Um, So let them, they need their downtime, be precious. Uh, It's precious, and you need to protect it. I, I got to ask, do you think some of those parents want those double headers so they can pawn off their kid to that one parent that's doing all the carpooling and, and they can have more time away from their kid? Or is that just me being a jerk? <laughs> or it I, could, I or it could be whole, both. It's not that. I think most, because the parents and grandparents tend to line the sidelines of okay. the games and they show up. I mean, oh, well, that's good. So, you know, especially at the younger ages. Um, and what another thing surprised me uh, as a new coach. Um, is that a lot of these seven-year-olds have been playing for years. (laughs) You know, I started at age seven, and back then, this is the 1970s, seven or eight was sort of the time you started many things. Maybe Uh you start music lesson at age eight or nine. But soccer, these kids start at age three or four. (laughs) So they've been playing for years. (laughs) And that's stunning to me because I think that their time could have been so much better spent doing something else. I had someone tell me, well, you know, my child likes to run, so we signed him up for soccer. (laughs) And I'm thinking, of course he likes to run. He's four years old. (laughs) Let him run. Go to the park. Take a ball. (laughs) But the structure... the, the, the feeling that we need to structure the talent or that each child is this, of course they're amazing, but, you know, each child is this amazing kid that is this prodigy. Another family told me, um, well, should I sign my child up for this professional drum class classes? 
because he has, I've been told he has such amazing rhythm that I need to get him started in this um, you know, drumming class. And I'm thinking, he's four. He will keep his amazing rhythm. Just <laughs> yes. let him, you know, bang on boxes. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Why do we do that? Why do we jump? Sorry. I, um, I don't know. I we think, jump to this prodigy like, status level. Yeah, and it's not always prodigy. I think sometimes we just, you know, we honestly want what's best for our kids, and if they show a glimmer of interest in something or another, we just jump for it because uh-huh. we're trying our best to be good, supportive parents. So, Heather, do you have a whistle? I do. I got myself a whistle. It's silver, and it has a little lanyard around my neck. Oh, awesome. And, 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 and is there a clipboard? Is there a clipboard involved? I'm just trying to get a visual image of, of you coaching. Um, I'm going to have a clipboard on the games to make sure everybody gets fair play. And this is another interesting thing. The parents, you know, because I've been a parent for a long time. I mean, I come in and speak to people. But I've, uh, I haven't been the teacher figure before. And so now parents are treating me as a teacher figure and they... they they lobby you pretty hard <laughs> for various things. So, you know, if you're practicing goalkeeping with the kids or whatever it is, they say, well, I want my player to have as much ball contact as possible and get out in the field or whatever. They're, they're really um, looking out for their kid in the best way they know how. Uh-huh. But it, it's interesting because at these young ages, again, these are seven- and eight-year-olds I'm dealing with, um, they don't need to specialize. They don't need to specialize in a sport. They don't need to specialize in a position. I'm, you know, my goal is to make sure that all the kids try offense and defense, and I'm not going to say, oh, you're really good at this, only do this. They will gain all kinds of skills and joy in whatever they do, and we can't always see that learning, and we shouldn't try to push, oh, we need to have my child be forward and score all the goals well maybe they're going to be better and or have more fun learning a variety of things so i think we have to be careful about specialization the younger it is the more it worries me yeah yeah and, and it's i don't know we're trying to find figure out their their profession or their their advocation at at the age of four when they haven't Really figured out how to completely control their their bodily functions and tie their shoes. It, 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 it's see, there, it's a lot of pressure there, huh? Yeah. And and so Lisa, do you have some stories on this? Stories on what? On specialization and, and acceleration and structure and all those good things. Well, um, probably. But m- my comment was: What if we channeled that willingness and level of lobbying? that parents are bringing to you as coach, what if we were able to somehow redirect that into demanding developmentally appropriate practice? <laughs> that, was, that was my thought. You know, they're, they're obviously capable of, of being heard and getting their points put out there. What if, what if we somehow channeled that... Redirected that redirected energy? Redirected that energy and that will... They, obviously, they're willing, uh-huh. right? But what, if, what yeah. if they had the knowledge to, instead of being demanding that their four-year-old is the forward... What if they were demanding that their four-year-old had recess? You know, I mean, that's just my Lisa Murphy th- yeah. thinking process. Well, I think that's a great point because parents often feel um, powerless and hopeless. And I think, you know, Jeff and I did an uh, episode just on this topic that people were really fascinated by. We, we often feel 
powerless in the face of, uh, of things that we can't control with our kids at recess and other things. And yet, we are great. We have to remember that we are great spokespeople and that we do lobby for our kids all the time. You know, they need the, the, the red lollipop, not the green one, or whatever it is at the bank. So we are used to speaking up. We just need to speak up in the right direction. Correct. Or, or pause and think, where do I want to put my lobbying effort? Exactly. Um, to go back to your specialist question, I, I've often probably overread into that as the adult somehow then being reflected in that area of expertise that they're wanting to see in the child. I, 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 that's my thought on that. I, I don't know if I have stories to I, say. I ran, back in my community center director days, ran girls volleyball and basketball leagues for way more years than I wanted to. And I mean, it just wasn't my thing, but that was part of the job. And it was so often we had third grade girls that were in basketball or volleyball because mom or dad had been into basketball or volleyball. And, and that, I mean, that's fine. That, I mean, it's a, it's an, could can be a shared interest and, and there's probably some good there, but more often than than I, I liked to see, it became almost that parent reliving yep. their glory days through their the nine year old, yeah. and and it. I mean, it was. I, I had to throw grown ups out of my gymnasium at times because of the way they behaved during eight eight year old basketball games or volleyball matches. And my, yeah, my mom was a really good ice skater and Uh i think we've talked about this and she put me in ice skating and i remember loving it she remembers me crying in the car after every lesson and then she (laughs) kind of yeah isn't that funny i remember just loving it and she had an aha of hey you know i'm I'm pushing lisa to do this because i really loved doing this and then i stopped i stopped going yeah, uh, that, that getting the taste of everything about playing all the positions and stuff, Heather, that, I, I love that idea. And so how does that carry over to the parent that wants to have their child in 40 different activities, though, because they want them to have a taste of everything? That can go a little bit overboard, too, doesn't it, with the, right. the whole... Well, I, I, mean, I think that, yeah, I think that it, it gets back to my it's okay not to share concept of take turns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, because with activities, it's the same thing. You've got to take turns. So you're going to try this now. You can try this, um, you know, in the spring, or you can try this next year. And if a family has a lot of kids and feeling overwhelmed, then it's um, this kid's turn to do something after school, and you get to do something after school another time. I mean, not every kid has to do an activity in the same family every moment. Um, you know, parents' jobs is not to chauffeur them everywhere. And if you have a public bus system or something around and your kids are, say, nine-ish or capable, whatever age you think that they are capable, let them get to their activities on their own. Um, we had fun doing that this summer. This little uh, did a Harry Potter wizard camp with my older son. And he's been taking the um, public bus since he was nine to get to these little classes and hops off and down and up and down the steps and thinks it's good fun. You know, the independence they get is almost as much fun as the class itself. Yeah, I agree. So how, how can we, how can we help parents kind of, kind of turn down the flame on 
the number of activities and the push, push, push to be the uh, to be the best goalie that they can be, and and start right. working on that that college uh, scholarship. Uh, the at resume, the age of eight. resume building. Well, I think it helps not to live on the east coast or the west coast. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that because there's a level of stress that's higher in that environment. When I go and speak to parents on both coasts, I can true. feel the tension of that. Let's get into college at a young age you know, ratcheting up, and I don't feel it as much in other places. So if you live in one of those places, just <laughs> acknowledge that that pressure is surrounding you, and it's very hard to fend it off. So be gentle to yourself and say, I'm getting a lot of pressure on this, and it's going to be hard for me, but I can do it. Um, another thing, here's a good benchmark. If you're finding it hard to connect your child with another family's child just to play, you know, uh, after school or Saturday afternoon or whatever time, if you're finding it hard because things are so busy in the schedule that you don't, that you can't connect with another family, then that's a sign there's overscheduling. You can only really do something about your own family, but by talking about it, you could say you can help spread that ripple effect and say, you know, we never could get these two friends together outside of school because there were too many activities going on, so we decided to scale back and and. So make that downtime, playtime, the priority, and once you open that up, then see, if, is there room for an activity? Maybe there isn't. And if there isn't, maybe it wasn't needed in the first place. Maybe you find you don't miss it after you take that conscious step back as well. Right. Yeah, I, and some families you'll find you can match up more easily. There's some families that are always free on the weekend because they're not driving uh-huh. five different places. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the phrase you use, be gentle with yourself, mm-hmm. too. I think, I, I think we, we need to remind people of that more often because you really do often find yourself as a parent beating yourself up over, over am I making the right choice and should I be doing more and is it okay to do less and and uh, when we can kind of pull back from that and take a deep breath and and be a little bit kinder to ourselves and, and turn down the pressure it, it does get a little bit easier to make uh, more thoughtful choices and check in if your child is having a lot of joy I mean they should be interested in, in whatever activity it is and, and want to be doing it um, and sometimes um, you know, I've heard parents say, well, my daughter didn't like soccer. And I say, oh, what age did you try it? Well, she was five. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> and I said, you know what? She might not like soccer ever or whatever the sport is or whatever the activity is, but you might want to give it a chance again, say, when she's 11. Uh-huh. <laughs> because there's that, we are all different at different ages. You know, I was very different at age five than I was at age 10. And we're ready for, we're interested at different things. We're ready for different things. And one thing as parents that we can slip into easily is sort of pigeonholing our kids and saying, oh, well, you you don't like that. You know, you don't like basketball or you don't like music or we tried that and you didn't like it. Because they're a different kid six months from now. And we need to keep our minds open to remember that, um, they might not have liked it then, but maybe that's because we pushed it too young, or maybe it was the wrong teacher, or, you know. So try things again, but don't make it this huge, lifelong commitment. 
I, I, I got a question. I know the answer to it, but I got to ask the question anyway. If the, the child signs up for something um, because they wanted to or because the parent decided it was going to be good for them and you get two weeks into it and the child hates it and wants to quit, should you should you say, well, I, I spent $45 on this and you're, you're not going to be a quitter and you're oh, going to make it through this and or, or should you just quit? Yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? Um, every time money is involved, we got to keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, check the refund policy because you might as well know that just to um, take that one stressor out of the equation so you can concentrate on you and your child and, and, and try not to worry about the money part. And maybe you get half back or some other amount, but at least find out because yeah. maybe they have a pretty generous refund policy. It's going to depend, I think, on the kid. And the um, and the age of the kid, the personality of the kid, and and everything else. Um, so if you're a preschool child age, it's not quitting exactly. <laughs> I think that's the concept we need to have. Is you know if you're if you're 12, if you're eight, maybe there's more of that. But if you're three and four and five, it's not quitting. It's it's just not a good fit at the point. Well, it's it's like tasting. It, you, you tasted it, and then you didn't like it, and maybe you come back in three years and you taste it again. Yeah. And there's other things. Let's say children's theater, that your child is cast in a part of the play, and they're counting on that child to be in it after half the rehearsals. You know, there's different levels, I think, of is your child really seriously going to be missed and let down the group? And is your child even able to cope with that understanding? Yeah. Are they old enough or is their personality mature enough to get that concept? Because we can try to push the concept all we want, but until they're ready to grasp it, it's not going to be a lesson about quitting. It's going to be a lesson about fighting between parent and child. Yeah, yeah. Or a lesson on that letting, this is going to sound cheesy, like the team, like, not, not, like your theater example was a good point, you know. You know, is it not? It's not necessarily a lesson of quitting. It's a lesson, perhaps, of the 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 repercussions of making that choice, right? Yeah. Which, if the child is old enough, those are those are good to point out to walk it all the way through. It's not just I don't like this anymore, but let's let's bring it out to that next level and see what kind of conversation needs to happen based on the domino effect of that choice. Yeah, because your choice right. can affect all these other people, and yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot of good there. So it's not. It's never. And there's another another big thing with, with kids in this, you will often hear these blanket statements, I don't like this anymore, I hate it. There's often something going on. Yes, you could yes. say, gosh, wonder what's bothering you about it. Oh, well, you know, Rory has to sit next to me. Oh, <laughs> that's really what the issue is, exactly. that Rory was doing spitballs or whatever the thing is. Or there's some other issue. So go ahead and ask, well, gosh, it sounds like something's really bothering you about blank. I wonder what it is, and maybe this, I hate, I'm going to quit, you can pinpoint the specific of what the problem is, and, it, and they actually will tell you that they really like it and want to keep going, but this one thing is bothering them. Yeah. Anything else we should uh, throw in here? We're coming up on our time, but uh, I, I want to make sure we cover everything completely. Well, I just had a random thought. When you said that concept of, of tasting stuff and experiencing things, my brain instantly said, well, that's what camp used to be for. You know, now to circle back to your specialty, I mean, I, I mean, I know scout camp is still kind of dabbling and stuff, but a lot of the camps that I hear about or that come across my radar are already hyper specific. And they're not just that, 
you know, archery for a little bit and then hiking and then some canoeing and some baseball, right? It like that dabbling and that space camp. Yeah. Yeah. Or soccer camp for as young as five and six. And you, you know, that kind of broad experience of doing lots of stuff to see what organically might be a real big interest to the kids. I have said before on potting, I wish that they would have an adult camp like that. I would so go. Yeah, I know. Then we wouldn't have to live vicariously through the kids if we could have our See? Own <laughs> it would be good for everybody. Everybody would benefit. All right, coming coming next summer, Lisa Lisa and Heather host uh, adult camp. Uh- <laughs> wouldn't that be and awesome? Would be, yeah. And there's so many camps that are actually going out of business because they can't you know, keep up with the, you know, whatever, the, the money. Wi- the wilds of northern Michigan. That I'm sh- there's probably a day camp somewhere that we could. Oh, you do it at Heather's house. Heather just, Heather just moved into a new house. She's got room. She okay. Can, yeah. Okay, Heather. Let's <laughs> make that yeah. happen, okay? Well, good to have you on, on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, this has been Renegade Rules. Hey, I want to throw this out to listeners. Um, Coming soon, CEUs for listening to podcasts. Uh, stay tuned. We'll get it figured out. Uh, um, people have asked for it. We figured out how to make it happen. So um, that's kind of a new thing. Thanks for listening. This has been Renegade Rules. We'll be back soon with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, bye. Sorry. <laughs> Distracted by the- Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, you want to support all the Upstairs Studio podcasts? It's as simple as this. Use our Amazon link when you shop Amazon. We get a small percentage of what you spend. You don't pay any extra. You get your stuff from Amazon. Everybody wins. Where do you find the link? Well, it's on the Explorations Early Learning app. You can find it on the Explorations Early Learning website. If you don't find it in those places, just get a hold of Jeff on Facebook or via email, and he'll hand-deliver it to your inbox. Thanks for your support. Bye-bye.